1: Hey, this is Henry Melcher. I'm a supervising producer at Late Night.
2: And uh, I'm Sal Gentile. I'm the uh, Closer Look supervising writer. This is Late Night Cram.
1: And on this episode, we talk to Sheila Krumholtz, who's the executive director of the Center for Responsive Politics and OpenSecrets.org. And her organization covers corruption in D.C. And obviously there has been corruption in Washington since the beginning of time, but there is a lot more corruption right now, a lot more blatant corruption going on with the Trump administration. So we talked to her about the work she's doing with her organizations. And she kind of gives us uh, an explainer on what we're seeing and the consequences of it.
2: Yeah. So Trump has been a lot more ostentatious, very obviously, a lot more brazen with his corruption. Obviously, the fact that he's made no attempt whatsoever to untether himself from his family business. And in particular, we talked today about influence peddling. So there's a couple different categories of the kinds of corruption that Trump is sort of flagrantly showing off in in D.C. For one thing, he's literally just making money at his businesses by being president Mm -hmm. of the United States. He takes all these trips to his businesses and resorts and so forth and uh, all this advertising when he was in ireland literally the resort that he stayed at made like advertising videos of him there on official state business he's there on an official state trip and we as united states taxpayers paid for that which feels great feels awesome it's so nice to give back um and uh, it's really charitable giving in a way you can write it off
1: yeah yeah we so just know that yeah we can collectively write off our taxes yeah we can write off our taxes Because they are charitable donations to the Trump organization. Yes.
2: So there's the fact that he's literally just making money himself by staying at these places, not only in the advertising of them and making membership more valuable, but also quite literally in the fact that we have to pay for the infrastructure of the president of the United States for his staffers and aides and so forth to go with him. So if he decides to hold a summit at Mar-a-Lago... We pay for all the infrastructure that follows the president of the United States to go with him to Mar-a-Lago. And there's new reporting about that today, about how we paid, for example, for former Secretary of State Rex Tillerson to stay in like a super nice suite that had all of these perks, including what's detailed in the reports, a phone in the bathroom.
1: That's luxury. That is
2: very luxurious. You know you're in a nice hotel when there's a phone in the bathroom.
1: Oh, yeah. The thing about Rex Tillerson and and phones near the toilet is that he was literally fired By phone when he was on the toilet. That's right. As Michael Whiteman just
2: reminded us. Let's
1: give credit where credit is due. Michael Whiteman, who's in our conference room studio (laughs) now, reminded us of that. And uh, so maybe that was part of his, or or maybe like Trump's rider for Rex Tillerson. Like, look, this guy's going to go at any minute. Yes. And I want to do it in the most
2: embarrassing way possible so I can leak it afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to fire him on the toilet. So we paid for that. We paid for Rex Tillerson to have access to the phone in his suite at Mar-a-Lago. So there's that category of it, the fact that Trump is making money at at his resorts. And then also, of course, there's the influence peddling. Foreign governments, corporate entities here in the United States paying to stay at Trump's various properties Mm -hmm. in the hopes that they can influence administration policy. And there's that category of it as well. So that's what we talk about today because you hear a lot about impeachment of course right now is a big hot topic and it's obviously all the kids are talking about it everybody's talking very about cool. it uh, on a uh, everyone's talking about impeachment <laughs> and obviously a lot of that discussion centers on obstruction of justice the Mueller report and so forth which is obviously very important but trump is pretty flagrantly in violation of the constitution in day other in, ways day out exactly yeah. and we wanted to get into that today and that's what this conversation is about
1: and here's sheila krumholtz who we skype with from dc Hey, we are here with Sheila Krumholtz. She's the executive director of the Center for Responsive Politics, which runs OpenSecrets.org. We really wanted to talk to you because you seem to know more about money in politics and corruption in D.C. than just about anybody else. You testified two days ago in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee. So thank you for taking a huge step down from that to do our podcast.
2: (laughs) We did also subpoena you onto (laughs) this podcast, by the way. Yeah.
0: Happy to be here.
1: You have been tracking through Open Secrets, through the center, money in politics and the influence that has. There's always been money in D.C. How different are things now with Trump? How much swampier did he make the swamp just by being there?
0: Well, I think you could see by my hair at the testimony, <laughs> was just like the total frizz fest. It's very swampy in D.C. on a good day. And uh, I think even if Trump in his pledge to... Unswampify DC, if he had been successful with all of that, which was largely focused on lobbying, kind of cutting the influence of lobbyists and the revolving door, slowing the revolving door, even if he had been successful with that, which would have been a huge lift, something that President Obama also pledged to do and was unable to stem, basically. It still would have been a very difficult task and, and, Mm -hmm. and a huge challenge because it goes beyond just lobbying, right? This is the seat of power of the country, arguably the world, and there are contractors. It's not just politics. There is this whole um, federal government contractor base that's based here that is trying to win contracts and money plays a role in getting those contracts. And then there's also the uh, campaign activity, all of the political consultants that are based here. And I always say, you know, it's, yeah, politics is the industry in the town, but really that's fueled by this whole campaign consulting industrial complex that is Uh set up to take advantage of that. There's a lot of swamping going on. Well.
2: Trump is a very public, showy example of it. Just in Trump's specific case, we have lots of very public and in-depth reporting about the degrees to which outside entities, whether it's foreign governments or others, have gone to influence him by going through his businesses, for example. So is there a way in which at least now it's becoming more public and more ostentatious, so to speak, and more obvious to people because the president of the United States himself is a businessman who has in no way untethered himself from his business and thus is susceptible to influence peddling?
0: Absolutely. I mean, we're in an entirely new phase of our republic, and we have not been prepared for this with our other presidents. The degree to which uh, Trump has been invested abroad and continues to reap profits from his properties, his investments, his you know financial entanglements, it spans at least 30 countries that we've studied and identified he earned uh, he holds about 130 million dollars in foreign assets and uh, he can easily retake control of those from his two sons eric and don jr when uh, he leaves the white house so it's business as usual for the trump organization only better because now he's president and so there is whereas some of these properties might have been struggling before he became president he is now opening wide the door to all of these foreign entities, be they corporations, diplomats, and U.S. properties, U.S. companies who want to curry favor with the federal government. So he is doing very well with his properties. He had, for instance, the T-Mobile CEO um, uh, spent about 50 nights and hundreds of thousands of dollars at the hotel as he tries to curry favor for the T-Mobile Sprint merger. That's just like one of probably dozens of examples.
1: It is just crazy that to- <laughs> The president of the United States lives, I don't know, half a mile from a hotel where business leaders and world leaders are just putting money into the coffers of the president's company, as you were just saying, Sal, it's one of the clearest examples of just peddling influence and just money turning hand over fist with the President of the United States just down the street. And
2: It there's, is wild. And there's also the shamelessness. I mean, they don't even make any attempt to hide it. You know, supposedly his sons are supposed to be independent businessmen who are running the organization, and yet they are constantly at official campaign events, abroad with him on official presidential trips. There's no even real attempt to make it seem as though there's any kind Mm. of separation and so you don't need to be an investigator to see that there's something just go to the lobby obviously corrupt going on (laughs) just like go to the lobby bar yeah that's right
1: yeah it's i mean as someone who's been covering these issues for so long how frustrating is it that these things are just now so blatant i mean i would assume that People that are trying to peddle influence through money in D.C. try to at least hide or they try to maybe obfuscate what they're doing. What is it like just seeing something like the Trump Hotel exist and all of us kind of roll our eyes and just, yeah, that's just how Trump does it?
0: Again, I think we, the kind of watchdog community, the press, arguably the American public and the oversight community within the federal government, we're not prepared for this kind of full frontal assault on our what we thought were the kind of guide rails to protect us from corruption or the appearance of corruption. And so it feels overwhelming that (laughs) there are just so many variations of ways that this president, his family, others in the cabinet, I mean, this is the most affluent cabinet in in history, Mm. that they have taken advantage of the system for their own personal financial gain, uh, and the conflicts of interest are just rife. We are nonpartisan, and we take that very seriously. So it's very difficult for us to talk about this, because what we're used to is typically saying, well, you know, here's how it is now, and then here's how it was for the prior Administration and so on. You
1: guys so, were very tough on the Obama hotel. Just, just for the record, <laughs> you guys, you were very tough on the Obama <laughs> hotel. It um,
0: well, was just absolutely unacceptable. It was unacceptable. <laughs> was, like, you raise, you raise a good point. What about the Lincoln bedrooms? I mean, nobody <laughs> remembers the Lincoln bedrooms, yeah, right. but there was this kind of Clinton hotel. A mm-hmm. little bit. There were the coffees that were given, and there was a scandal. There was. A foreign influence scandal in the '90s that many people, you know, people weren't born back then. But okay, in '96, <laughs> uh, in '96 there was the scandal. I think it was competing for airwaves with the Monica Lewinsky scandal. But in '97, there was a Senate investigation in the Senate Governmental Affairs Committee. And there were violations exposed on both sides of the aisle, Republicans and Democrats. But it was primarily John Wong, who was a fundraiser for the DNC, Charlie Tree, the Shy Temple, just on and on. There were lots and lots of violations, some of them pretty flagrant, showing that there was a wherewithal, the ability and a willingness by foreign governments and corporations to try to influence U.S. elections Unfortunately, we have not learned that lesson yet. We need to kind of learn it over and over again, that as long as there are weaknesses perceived in our system, there are going to be plenty of governments, plenty of corporations, probably corporations that are fueled or funded by the governments, too, and some of them funded by adversaries of the United States, Mm -hmm. trying to influence our elections and our policies that come out of this government.
2: Yeah. One major difference, it seems like, because you're absolutely right, of course, there's been these systematic weaknesses. Presidential corruption influence peddling has existed before. One thing Trump does is what that's unique about him is that he exploits the weaknesses where the only custom or norm was shame. If you got <laughs> caught doing something, you had enough shame to want to at least try to hide it or explain it away or apologize for it or correct it. And he is showing us in some ways the weaknesses in our system where the only rule was shame. And if you don't have shame, then you can get away with it.
0: And maybe that wasn't a strong enough rule. <laughs> so, and, and in fact, maybe it wasn't even a strong enough rule to prevent people from violating it before. We right. just assumed, oh, well, nobody would step over the line that badly. They right. wouldn't. That would be ridiculous to conceive <laughs> that somebody would do something so audacious. And looking back, maybe there were instances where people were doing that and we just were looking the other way because we were like, that's preposterous. Now we see, no, if you think that that should be a rule that people honor, Going forward, that needs to be in writing. That needs to be in the in the U.S. code. That needs to be enforced. Who's going to enforce it? What are the penalties? What are the consequences? This is stuff we're going to have to work out. Well, the crazy
2: thing is there is at least one document, somewhat famously, that spells out some of the prohibitions here. It's the United States Constitution. And it says that the president of the United States cannot take gifts from foreign governments. Mm-hmm. And it's just stunning, again, the degree to which... Trump is just brazenly ignoring it and nobody and it's up to us. It's just up to the political system to enforce it, basically.
0: Right. And we if as a people, we are saying, no, this is a, a value we care about protecting our constitution, the the way we govern ourselves to honor the constitution like this is a living document and not just a piece of paper that nobody pays attention to anymore, we are going to need to stand up and be counted as saying, no, this has to be enforced. And if you don't enforce it, we're going to vote you out. So yeah, it it is in the Constitution. And the Trump family, uh, the Trump organization continues to benefit more so again, because he is now president. So deals that were falling through before are suddenly back in the running. And this has been very, very good for uh, Trump's finances and the Trump organization. And He has found, as you say, shame is not enough to protect us from people who would cut corners. And we need to put in place the kinds of rules that will avoid the the weaknesses that that Trump has taken advantage of all through his career. He has lawyered up to make sure that if anybody challenges him, they will be confronted with a battery of lawsuits. I mean, this is how he's gotten away with it is by Mm -hmm. essentially bullying people through lawsuits. Yeah, I, I'm not now speaking of his current uh, activities, but I think there is a pattern to his kind of MO. So it's if he's going to challenge people to prove it, then we need rules in place so that people can actually investigate and prove it.
2: You mentioned some of the deals that were kind of going away and have since come back after his presidency. I was wondering if you could go into a little more detail about that.
0: The only one that stands out in my memory is one um, that there are hotel, uh, Trump hotel projects in India right. that have fallen by the wayside and have since come back. And I think again, you know, it's just this is it's not maybe partisan in the eyes of some of these corporations, certainly international corporations. This is business. This is money. Yeah. And if they have an opportunity to leverage new kind of changes based on Trump now ascending to the White House. Certainly, international interests, even domestic interests, are going to try to leverage that to to make money for themselves and their company. Yeah. Uh, so I think here too, uh, it helps that Trump's sons, Eric and Don Jr., are ostensibly um, independent, which is ridiculous. But mm-hmm. but you know they're operating to make money for the company, and it's out of President Trump's hands until he leaves the White House, and then he recoups all of that largesse. Yeah.
2: There's a couple of different categories of this the kinds of like uh, sort of brazen corruption we're seeing. Of course, there's obviously the influence peddling. There's also the degree to which we are quite literally paying Donald Trump's businesses. And there's actually new reporting even today from the Washington Post about Just how much money taxpayers have spent at places like Mar-a-Lago, for example, or at all of the other places that Trump chooses to conduct official state business. Because the thing I think people maybe don't realize and maybe you could explain a little bit is when Trump decides to have like a summit, for example, at Mar-a-Lago... It's not just him. There's a whole infrastructure that's going with him. And the reporting indicates that we're basically paying his businesses directly in order to support this infrastructure of the president of the United States just voluntarily choosing to go to his own businesses to conduct official state business.
0: Here again, if there are not rules to prevent it, then it is on the table. And if you are expecting the president to... Restrain himself because of the appearance of impropriety. <laughs> I don't think he is likely to 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 be vulnerable to those kinds of accusations. So, yeah, this is the state of things. Here is somebody who is going to be far better off, uh, in part because of taxpayer funded investments in in stays at his property and travel.
1: It seems like. There's always been so much corruption in D.C., and now it is so flagrant, and there are people in Congress who aren't really using their powers to put rules on the book, to enforce existing rules, to tamp down on that. What can we do to stop what we're seeing?
0: Yeah. Um, oh God! So, just already. <laughs> <Yeah>. oh, <no. laughs> it's are, all just so
2: exhausting. Yeah, we're it all. Is, yeah.
0: It is, but this is the kind of the, the new reality. Yeah. Is people need to people are just they are exhausted. I think it's exhausting to have to read about all of these different assaults on kind of basic expectations for how public officials comport themselves, out of concern for not just. The rules not just uh, impropriety but the appearance of impropriety and there is now a, a kind of a psychological release that it feels like anything goes so it might be difficult now to put the genie back in the bottle but if we are serious about it we're going to have to figure that out we're going to have to yeah we have we have work ahead of us I do
1: want to ask you quickly here about the Democratic side of things right now, specifically the Democratic primary. Most of the candidates, if I'm not mistaken, are rejecting corporate PAC money. Some are even rejecting just PAC money. What is the significance of that to you?
0: So at the risk of kind of spoiling the fun. Um, we were having so all, much fun. <laughs> <I know.
2: laughs> My
0: view is that it is relevant for politicians. Let me back up. Politicians have to raise so much money and especially anybody having any chance of running a remotely viable campaign for the White House. It's just, it's stunning when you think of how you would try to go about raising hundreds of millions of dollars to run for the White House, or let's just say you're running for Congress, you know, no big deal. Okay, it's still about $2 million to run for a winning House seat. It's over $15 million to run for a winning Senate seat. These people aren't, you know, rock stars. They're average people who think they have good ideas and rise through the ranks, whether it's through government or or business. We should be able to see ourselves in them. We should be able to think, I have great ideas. I have hustle. I have charisma. I can get out there. I can talk about my ideas. I can build with support. And where would I get the money? Well, that's too often, I think, the barrier between getting people who can really represent their communities to run for office, even local municipal state office, much less national office. But at the national level, you have to have access to people with cash. You have to swim in those circles, be from money, or know how to tap it. If you're running for the presidency, you need to raise hundreds of millions of dollars. That's the basic fact at this point. So, okay, you are not gonna get it from PACS. So you can say, I, I'm not accepting PACs. That would amount to about, you know, 1%, a few percent at most of the amount of money that you would have to raise because they're limited in how much they could give. They can only give 5000 per election. That's 10000 in a normal cycle, primary and general. So I think at this point, it is a meaningful sacrifice for anyone running for the House. Any House members do take a significant portion of their money from PACs, less so for the Senate and almost not at all for the White House.
1: Really interesting to see it laid out that way. Yeah, but we're very glad people like you and the and the Center for Responsive Politics is is doing what you're doing because it, this can all feel so opaque and it's so easy to look the other way. So it's nice that you guys are shining a light on uh, all the horrible things <laughs> going on, yeah. lifting up the rock and kind of showing us uh, all the yeah. creepy things crawling underneath it.
0: Well, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I mean that earnestly. We're glad you're doing um, it. That's, I mean, yeah. I would say I don't know. We we try to put the numbers out there, try to put the facts out there on open secrets so that everybody can see them and we can all agree on them. Like, this is true. This is, these numbers are what people are raising and spending. So it's not partisan. It's not like you can have your facts and I can have mine. So I hope people will realize that money, yeah, is a part of the picture, part of the problem, but it's not everything. It's not, you know, it's not definitive. Sometimes the money tells us why policies are passed but it's not always what's definitive or determinative so we try to you know it's an interesting critical w- window through which to view washington but there's there's more to it yeah. so use open secrets find yeah. other credible sources it's a great resource get involved yeah
1: thank uh, well thank you so much for your time today
0: thank you it's been fun
2: Late Night with Seth Meyers airs weeknights on NBC at 1235, 1135 Central. Original music on the Late Night Podcast is by the 8 Band. Don't forget to follow the handle Late Night Seth on social media and tell your friends to subscribe to the Late Night Podcast wherever they get their podcasts. The wait is over.
0: So far, you're not losing. The only thing you're losing is my patience.
2: Quickly, I see that. Bing!